It is great worshiping our great God with you. It always is wonderful being with you. We are in the second week of a new series uh, called Here is the Church. We started last week with this little uh, jingle that my mom taught me. Uh, if you were here last week, you might, be, might remember that. It basically is this. It would say, now here is this church, right? And here is the steeple. You open the door and what happens? You find all the people, right? I mean, my mom was a wonderful lady, prayed for me, uh, pointed me to Jesus. But really, that wasn't real helpful, uh, according to the Bible, as far as what is the church? Because the church is the people. Uh, last week, we looked at God's word, and it told us that you and I are the church. The church, uh, the, the Greek word we find in the New Testament for church is ekklesia. It's a compound word. It really means called out that you're someone who's called out if you're part of the church. And again, what we looked at, you're called out of darkness. You're called out of anything that's futile. You, God has loved us so, the church, and he's called us out. But he's done more. He's done more than just called us out. He calls us in. He calls us out of darkness. He calls us into his marvelous light. He calls us into a, a relationship that's alive. He calls us into life and life abundantly. He calls us into a place where our sins are forgiven. He calls us in so we could not only know his love, but through the Holy Spirit experience his love. But the church is more than just being called out and called in. It's being sent out. Uh, through, throughout history, God has chosen to use us to tell his story. So he sends us out. We gather to be sent to go tell the good news. There is a God and he's for us. There is a God and he's with us. There is a God and he is merciful. Do you know him? Well, the second week, this week, we're going to look at we are the church and we worship. Of all the things that we do as a church, and there's a lot of important things we do, there is nothing more important than worship. Worship is ultimate for the church. I mean, worship is the primary thing we do. As a matter of fact, everything else we do should be because of our worship, should be the fuel, uh, the, uh, the goal of our, what we do should be worship. For example, uh, if we do things like discipleship, important, is because we want to worship him better. We do things like missions. Uh, we do things like outreach. All those things that we do should be an outflow, should be a response to our worship of God. A great pastor by the name of John Piper says this, and one of my favorite books of his is Let the Nations Be Glad. And it's a mission, it's a book on missions. And he says this about missions. He said, interesting, he said, worship Worship is the fuel, and worship is the goal of missions. That, that missions exist because worship doesn't. Because God has created us to worship, and he's created us to go tell. So that's why we have things like missions, because we want the whole world to, to know our God, to worship our God, to bring glory to our great God. One thing I want you to know that is very true this morning is that as we gather and worship, so do atheists. There's not one person that has ever been created who doesn't worship something. We all are worshipers. The question is, who or what will we worship? This morning as we look at God's word, we're going to start in the Psalms, uh, God's kind of worship book. I mean, it's all worship book, but we're going to start in Psalm 100, a phenomenal, famous psalm that we'll look at 
we'll also look at the book of Hebrews and see what it says for us as Christians, those in Christ to worship, and also a passage in Romans. We're going to look at three things this morning. The first thing is this, is that you were created to worship. You were created to do it, and you are going to do it. You're going to worship something. The second thing is this, and this might surprise many of us, especially Americans. Not only were you created to worship, you were created for corporate worship. You were created in such a way that we are called together to worship him. And lastly, our life should be constant worship of God. Our very life should be a living sacrifice to our holy God. The way we live, the way we move, the way we breathe, the way we are should be worship of our great God. So let's turn to his word. Let's look in Psalm 100. Uh, That will also be listed for you in the bulletin. The words are on the screen as well. I think I snuck a passage in. They don't know upstairs. So we're going to look at three passages today. Let's hear God's word. Starting in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving uh, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And I just feel like God's people should say, Amen after that. Let's look to the book of Hebrews. This is describing to us our worship now because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. How, how we right now have access to a holy God. And I'm going to read Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast uh, the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to spur up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And lastly, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray together. Father God, as we read these words of Holy Scripture, we are reminded what is true that you've created us, thank you, and that you've created us for yourself, thank you, and you've created us to know and to love and to worship you, thank you. We thank you for Jesus and 
for his life and death and resurrection on our behalf so that we could do that which you have created us to do, to love you. Father and Son, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent into our lives that that gives us the ability to have even the faith to know and trust Jesus as our Savior so that we can worship you. Father God, we are gathered in corporate worship as you told us to do. And we thank you of your promises as that two or more who are gathered in your name that you are here with us. So God, because you're here and because you're God, would you do only that which you could do? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice, Jesus? Would you give us minds to understand your word, God? Would you give us hearts that were filled with your love so, so that our whole lives can be response to you, so that our lives can be a living sacrifice, so that we can be transformed, and you can use us to transform the world? And Father, we're going to walk out of here and we're going to worship something. And anything other than you is worshiping an idol. So God, would you so powerfully move in our midst that you would even cause our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name as we worship you. God, the things that are said that are merely my opinion are wrong. May those things be forgotten and fall away quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. You'll find in the bulletin an outline if you want to follow along with me here as we look at we are the church and we have been created to worship. And that's the reality is you have been. Made in God's image, you have been created for worship. That is something that you have been created to do, not just today, but for all eternity. Is that blessed Psalm 100 tells us, and we have this gracious, holy, loving God who, who calls us into his presence. Isn't that good news? And here's how he describes us as he calls us into his presence. He says, he has made us. God has made us. But there's even more. We are his. His name is upon us. Even more, we are, we are his people. We are his treasured possession. We are the sheep of his possession. Listen, God owns everything. God created everything. But when it comes to his church, when it comes to his people, I mean, he wants us to be mindful that, that I lost sound, didn't I? There you go, I'm back. Um, he wants to remind us that, uh, that of all the things he created, we're, we're treasured, we're loved. And we're his. That not only did he make us, he made us for himself. And you ready for this? He made us in his image. Of all the things that God created, they all tell his story, Psalm 19 says. All of creation pours forth speech and says there is a God. But nothing says it more clearly than you and me. Because we reflect him. That's what it means in Genesis 1.27. We were created in the image of God. And we were therefore created to worship, know, and love him. You know one thing human beings cannot do? Human beings cannot not worship. I apologize to all the English majors for all the negatives there. But I think you get the point. Human beings cannot not worship. Someone says, I'm an atheist. Okay, you don't believe in God. You're going to be worshiping yourself. You're going to be worshiping your knowledge. You are worshiping something. The truth is, is this, is you've never met a person who didn't worship. You will never meet a person 
who does not worship. The question is, what will we worship? I've become a Mumford and Sons fan. It's probably using the word lightly. I think they rock. They're phenomenal. They're fantastic. And one of the songs they sing uh, is Awake My Soul. And they say a line in there. It says this, where you invest your love, you will invest your life. And it's so true. All of us have been created to worship something. And where you invest your worship, where you invest your love, you will invest your life. Is it with God? You know, one of the things about worship, it's a great polemic for creationism. Let me say that in other terms. It's a, it's a great argument that there's a creator God. And think about worship, especially with those who might believe in Darwinism or evolution. You want to say, how could you ever evolve to worship? If, if Darwinism is, is the uh, survival of the fittest, if it's looking out for you and killing everything else, how would you ever evolve to worship? And the reason we all will worship because that God imprints on every one of us. I remember being in a book club with a guy that, you know, it's one of those book clubs that uh, we knew that there were Christians and some non-Christians. We knew that one of the, the husbands that was there was uh, a proclaimed atheist or agnostic or just didn't believe in God the way I did. Um, pretty arrogant about it. So we picked a book that uh, wasn't a Christian book. But, you know, all truth is eventually going to point back to God. And, and all stories are going to eventually point back to God. It's amazing how that works. And so we're reading a book. As a matter of fact, I remember it was called the Poison uh, Wood Bible, I believe. And it was something that seemed anti-Christian. But even in the midst of reading that book, uh, and I knew what he did for a living, he traveled all over the world. And, and we got into discussion about a God who might or may not exist. And I said to him, I said, I know you've traveled a lot. Have you... Have you been to some really remote locations? Oh, yeah, I've been to some of the most remote locations all around the world. You've been to places in South America or Africa that are really, really, oh, yeah, I've been to all of those. They're incredible. I've been to many of them. I said, do you, do you find people worshiping there? He said, I've never found people who didn't. They worship the sun, the moon, or something. There are people who are worshiping everywhere. I remember saying, do you think that human beings kind of evolved to that? I mean, there's some time from a monkey to a man you start worshiping? So, man, it's, it's interesting. You see, we're all going to worship something because we were created to worship. And we were created to worship our God. But something got in the way. The story of the Bible is a story of the God who's created us wonderfully in his image, but we've rebelled against him and we chose not to worship him. We, we decided to worship ourselves. And, and when sin entered the world, you got to understand this, when sin entered the world, worship didn't stop for one second. But worship became misplaced. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worshiped his creation. Instead of worshiping the ruler, we desired to rule ourselves and worship ourselves. Here's the really good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that Jesus would come, that God would love us so much, that Jesus would come to, to rescue us and to restore us to do that which God created us to do, to live that sinless life, to die that death, and so that through his resurrection, we can have life and we can be restored and we can truly worship. Let me ask you a question. How, how bad is worshiping something other than God? How bad really is it? I mean, does holy God really mind? I mean, how bad was your sin and my sin? How bad was it? How bad is it? Don't ever forget 
that it was so egregious that God's son had to die to make a sacrifice. I mean, the only way that we can gather in, in holy God's presence and, and not, not be trembling in fear is because God has rescued us by his grace and mercy through the work of his son. And as, as black and grotesque as our sin is, Jesus' righteousness is even better. And Jesus' death is even conquered. And, and, and it's, it's just more than the fact that he's just come to forgive us. He's come to give us life. And he's come to restore that which we were created to do. Know and love Father. And know and love our God. That is the incredible good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think the question for all of us, okay, if we're created to worship, what are you worshiping? What are you worshiping this morning? And usually what you could follow is your time your talent, your treasures, those things in life, those things, those heart affections of yours, where have you put your heart affections? Where are you worshiping? It seems most of us struggle with worshiping our, ourselves. Maybe our name or our reputation. For many of us, the struggle is not to worship our kids. Make them the center of our universe, the center of our affection, that everything revolves around our children. And yes, they're precious in God's sight, but they should never rival our God. How is it with you? What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the true and living God or the stuff the true and living God has given you? And we set our hearts upon him. Second thing is this, is you were created not just for worship, you were created for corporate worship. Christianity is not an individual event. Christianity is not a solo flight. I think Americans forget this more than any, it seems like, in the world. It says this, I love this in Psalm 100. God made not just you, God made us in his image. We, not just you, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. The promises of God are always plural. I mean, sometimes we so, so particularize them, we just internalize them, it's just all about me. But it's all about us. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, is, is that he calls us out of the darkness of worshiping that which is futile, and he calls us in, but he calls us in together. You know, a lot of times people think of worship as like, you know, we're leaving the real world, uh, we're leaving the real world behind and we're entering into this sanctuary. Well, there's some truth to that. But you know that this, in God's eyes, is the real world? This is a place where heaven and earth meet. And this is a place for us to be reminded. I mean, this is not for us as to leave for an hour or so the world and all of its problems. This is not for us to come together and be reminded in corporate worship. In corporate worship, God meets us. There's more than happens here just to be together and collect an offering and hear a sermon. He says this in Scripture in Matthew 18, 20, where two or more gather in his name. Jesus says, I will be there in spirit. God is here with us. We worship together. Why? Because God meets us here and reminds us that he's for us and he loves us. God meets us not only through his spirit, he meets us through his word. In Colossians 3, it's talking about how the body comes together and sings hymns and songs and encourages one another. And he says in that body, let the word of Christ dwell richly. Let, let God's word dwell among you. Let it be here. And that's what we, we hold up God's word. This is our authority. This is a life. And, and God's word is here. And Christ dwells with us. He meets with us through his word. He, he meets with us through the sacraments, through the table, by his spirit, 
through the broken bread and the poured out wine. He meets with us through baptism. He meets with us spiritually here. God is here. He, he inhabits the praise of his people. He's, he's here. We gather together because we are his people. And the body's just not right without you. I want you to know that. He says, Jesus says, I'm the head, you're the body. And if you don't come to corporate worship, we're not the same. We need each other. Lewis tells a story about losing one of his, C.S. Lewis tells a story about losing uh, Tolkien, one of his friends, and how, how he so misses him. And, and that really, when three guys were together, they pulled out more of who his friends really was. And let me say it this way. If we are the body of Christ, when we gather together, we bring God presence with us. And when you're not here, it hurts us. I have some friends who hang out together. When we get together, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, that one person becomes more that person is, is, is my one friend starts teasing him or I start teasing him. We're all together. We start seeing the fullness of who we really are. You see, one of the pictures that God wants us to do is assemble together to have corporate worship. So we see the picture of who we are as a body of Christ. We're robbed when you don't come. We don't see the full picture. Corporate worship, God meets us. Not only does God meet us, he reminds us. In corporate worship, God reminds us of who he is. He's a loving father. He initiates and does everything as loving father. He has a rescuing son who, who comes and lays his life down for sinners like us. He's a comforting Holy Spirit. We gather to be reminded, who is this guy? We're, we gather to be reminded of who we are and who we are in his sight. Do you know what he says about you in Christ Jesus? He says, you're not only chosen, you're adopted. And you're not only adopted, you're lavishly loved. And he calls you and me precious. We come in from a world that wounds us. We come in from a, uh, our own surroundings. It's so difficult to be reminded of a father who's crazy about us. He reminds us of who we are in him. But he also reminds us of where we are in his story. You ever get lost in a mall or someplace and all you want to find is some picture that says, here's where you are. So you can kind of get your bearings of, okay, now where am I and where do I got to go? We see corporate worship is, is God's way of saying, so here's where you are in the story. Let me, not, let me remind you. I mean, I know what you're hearing in the TV and I know what you're seeing and I know that the world is shaking around you, but let me remind you that Christ has come. And let me remind you that the Savior of the world is, is living and active. Let me remind you of where you are in the story. And let me remind you the story's not over. Let me remind you there's more to come. Not only remind you where you are in the story, but where you fit into the story. Let me remind you that not only are you are a precious son, but let me remind you that you're a storyteller. That God wants to fill the earth with his glory through you. That not only where you, who you are, where we fit in, but what we're to do. And what we are to do is to live for his glory. That's what corporate worship to do. Just remind us that we're his storytellers. You see, in corporate worship, God only not only reminds us, but he not only meets us, but he also promises us. What does he promise? <laughs> he promises that we're going to make it home. Is that good news for anybody? He promises he's gonna, we're going to make it home. Why? Because he who begins a good work in us, guess what? He's faithful to complete it. Guess what? He comes to rescue his sheep. His sheep know his voice. And guess how many sheep Jesus loses over eternity? Not a one. So he comes and he, he promises that we're going to make it home. He promises us that a day will come where there'll be no more tears. We come and we gather in corporate worship. He promises us that Jesus wins. Does anybody need to know that Jesus wins today? 
Does anybody need to know that thy kingdom will fully come? Does anybody need to know that this world will be merged one day, heaven and earth, and, and our King of kings and our Lord of lords is coming back and he does win? That's why we come gather together, be reminded that he wins. But you know why else? It's to be reminded there's more to come. This isn't it. This isn't the fullness. Whatever you've been told, the best life is not now. You got good life now. We got forgiven life. Got abundant life, but I don't see him in my eyes. I'm loving with by faith. There's a day coming where we can see him by sight. You see, with that, corporate worship prepares us. Not only promises us, it prepares us for what's to come. You know what we're doing right now? We're practicing what we're going to do for all eternity. I mean, in worship, it's amazing. In worship, when we gather together, it's when heaven and earth meet. What are they doing in heaven right now? They're worshiping our great God. What are we doing? We're worshiping our great God. We're preparing. We're preparing for what God will do, what we'll do for all eternity. And I, I want to, especially the young people, sometimes you hear that and think, man, that's going to be as boring as can be. I, I find church kind of boring now. I'm going to be doing that for all eternity? Let me tell you, there'd be nothing more glorious than seeing the resurrected Christ. Nothing more glorious than being in God's presence. As a matter of fact, when when heaven opens up and, and we're able to see, like we sang this morning, when he saw behold before the throne, holy, holy, holy is our God. And then we'll have the privilege, the privilege in all we do of knowing and worshiping in him, and I promise you it will not be boring for one nanosecond. It'll be glorious. And, and our worship now is supposed to like put a taste in our mouth. We're like, come on, God, come give me more. Come give me more. It's a promise that he will. He prepares us for that. And now by faith and one day by sight. Let me ask you this question. What's keeping you from corporate worship? You were created for it. As a matter of fact, I could tell you we could spend the whole time on this. You're commanded to do it. One of the Ten Commandments is to keep the Lord's Day holy. Not only that, if you're a member of Orangewood, you vowed. You said that, hey, I will do my best to support this church in worship and work to the best of my abilities. Are you worshiping to the best of your ability, corporately? You know, I could have just, uh, that, that, that sermon has a lot of good guilt in it. I could hammer you over the head there. And I want you to know that we stopped at a staff and said, okay, they're made for corporate worship. Should we should we paint worship that's glorious like it really is? Or should we just tell them all the things we're not doing? And our goal was to say, listen, this is such a privilege of ours. Don't forget what we're doing. But also, don't forget what he's commanded. This week, Dave Gambrell uh, was at Presbytery Floor uh, going through his ordination process. And you would have been so proud of Dave. Man, he just was knocking it out of the park. And when he's asked question over question and, uh, about the Bible and theology, man, he was, I was so proud. He was like, oh, it was great. One of the things you have to do when you get through your ordination process as an ordained minister is you have to take what exceptions do you have to the Westminster Confession of Faith? That's our theological document. Don't get lost there. We read this morning some questions about worship from that. So every pastor who gets ordained has to say, you know what, I take a couple of exceptions. And I've taken some. I think that they're too strong of language. And one of the things that we usually typically take an exception for, the Westminster Confession of Faith says the, whole, the Lord's Day should be so holy you shouldn't have any recreation on it. 
that you should be a day of worship and rest. And you shouldn't recreate. And most pastors like me said, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with me finding a little recreation on a Sunday for me to play catch with my son in the backyard or to do those things. And so we had a guy stand up at Presbytery and he had no exceptions. And for us, that's like a red flag. Like, did you read it? Because <laughs> you want to have some, you know, it's not the Bible. You want to have some exceptions, right? So someone pressed him a little bit and said, hey, you have no exceptions? And he goes, well, I bet you want me to talk about the Sabbath and keeping it holy. But I don't think that the language says we can't play ball with our kids. And I think what it's saying is that we shouldn't let club whatever dominate a Sunday till we lose a Lord's Day. We're all like, oh, yeah, good call. You were created for corporate worship. You were created for this. What are you letting get in the way of God's people gathering? Is it a priority in your life? It should be for what God has done for us. Lastly, your life should be constant worship. In Romans 12, it says that we should be living sacrifice. This is our spiritual worship. We, we gather together corporately to be sent out. Worship doesn't end with the benediction. Really, you know what the benediction is? The benediction is just a sending out. It's really, it's a blessing to send you out. And it's kind of interesting because I don't know why I walk around during the benediction. No one ever told me that. No one ever taught me that. No one ever showed me that. That's just something I did. I don't know why I did it. I'm a little bit nervous doing it, to be honest with you, because I don't want to just always do it. I want to have the freedom sometime not to. But there's something about walking around you all and kind of reminding you that you're blessed in the gospel. And God is sending you out right now to a dark world. And it's a way for him to say, let me just remind you. He chooses to use me. We had a session retreat a couple weeks ago. and our, uh, Yeah, I guess it was last weekend. And it was always said, you only go around the same guys, the same people. Get the same line. What do you do? So if you were here last week, I walked around the entire church almost passed out because I was talking and walking and an exercise hasn't been a big thing apparently in my life. But it was to be sending you out. Just to remind each and one of you, worship doesn't stop now. We are gonna go, we gather to be reminded, to be sent out. So that as we worship, listen, as we worship God, the way you worship God should be inviting others to worship him too. The way you live your life, by the way you invest your love, by the way you love him, should be drawing others to say, tell me about this, Jesus. You're being sent out. That's the purpose, to worship him. We sent our son, Caleb, out this last week. Our third or fourth, it's the first time ever that we will have a child in an educational institution that's not distinctly Christian. Not Christian at all as he's right down the street at Rollins College. And although he's not far, we're grateful for that institution. It's kind of scary. It was very interesting to me that uh, to, to be a part of their orientation process with parents and, and to see their things. And he was given a T-shirt. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday they had to go and serve the community. And on the serving the community was their Latin phrase that is the uh, banner of their school. It's fiat lux. That's what, that's what Rollins College's Latin phrase means. And, and I, I, uh, I know what it is because I looked it up, all right? And so it means, ready for this? Let there be light. <laughs> Let there be light. Every Christian organization has been kicked off of the campus. And yet, 
let there be light is their motto. They're, they're called the tars, and I, I'm not exactly sure what a tar is. This is not a tar heel. This is something to do with a sailor. They have sailor outfits. And the whole thing they talk about is this in, in, during orientation. Find your anchor. Find your anchor. Find your anchor. As a matter of fact, as I uh, Instagrammed a couple of pictures, uh, I noticed that there was hashtag find your anchor all over the place. Think about that. You know what they're telling them? You gotta find something in life that's worth hooking your life to. You gotta find something in life that's bigger than you. You gotta go find your anchor. And you know what they're telling them? Go and worship anything you wanna worship. Just worship something. And we hope you find something that's big enough to anchor your life to. That night when I left my son, I texted him and said, hashtag, no need to find your anchor. You found it. It's Jesus. Jesus is your anchor, and your whole life should be anchored on him. Your whole life should be response to the way he loves you and rescues you. Your whole life. Hashtag Jesus is your anchor. Is he yours? And if he's your anchor, he should be your praise, your worship, your life for his glory. Because we have been created to worship. We have been redeemed to worship. We've been created to call together to worship and to worship the one who's the anchor of our soul. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for loving sinners so much that you would send your son to come and to be the anchor, the sure anchor of our souls that we know that is, is gonna hold even within the veil but in that presence of you. And God, I thank you that you have created us to worship you. And God, I thank you that you've called us to worship you together, that we together are your sheep. We together are your people. We together are your image. And God, may we not forsake the assembling together as some are in the custom of doing. But God, we ask that not just would we gather together to worship, but God, the gospel would anchor us to go from here and to live our entire lives in worship of you. Our lives would be a living sacrifice. Send us out so the story of Jesus can be heard. Use our very lives to be the aroma of Christ. Thanks for choosing to use stumbling and broken sinners like us, but redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. May we worship you well, because that's what we'll do for all eternity. We pray in Christ's name, amen.